It's great to have you here and to be able to share in a message today. I thought, uh, just before we get started, and since it's looking so much like Christmas, I would share a few Pastor Todd jokes. Uh, we used to call them uh, dad jokes, but he doesn't like us calling them dad, so Pastor Todd jokes. What is the best Christmas present in the world? A broken drum. You just can't beat it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no booing, all right? It's not a good way to start. <laughs> Why does the Christmas alphabet only have 25 letters? Noel. Noel. Yeah. And what is every parent's favorite Christmas carol? Silent night. Okay, some of the kids groaned. All right. All right. Uh, I'm really happy to be able to share today. And uh, let's get going. And today I'm talking about Joseph. And I've kind of looked at it as far as a, a quiet reflection. Joseph, we know very little about him. Very little is written in the scriptures about him. And nothing is recorded about what he said. But Joseph holds a very important role in the life of Jesus. God chose him to fulfill a purpose and a plan. God called him to play a central role in the life of Jesus Christ. Joseph, like all fathers and parents, uh, would have certain responsibilities. He would need to be a provider, the breadwinner of the family, using his skills and hard work to provide for the family. But Joseph would also need to be a protector, a guardian. And we can see this specifically in the life of, of Joseph. Even before Jesus was born, how Joseph protected Mary, and in that, protected the unborn Jesus. But also then as they traveled to Bethlehem, and then they would have to flee to Egypt, and then back to Nazareth. Joseph would also be a guide, a teacher, an instructor, an instructor in things of life, but he also taught Jesus to be a carpenter. He would be a tutor, a trainer, a disciplinarian. Now, it's unsure what Jesus was like as a boy. We read in Luke chapter 2 that he, Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them, just like every other teenager that we know. Joseph would also be an example and a role model. Do you think Joseph felt uh, ready for that task when God called him? Do you think he felt qualified, prepared? Would you? How would you feel if God had called you to fulfill such a role? Our scripture today, I'm going to invite you to stand, is found in Matthew chapter 1, starting to read at verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, 
Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just pray right now that you would help us in these next few minutes to look into your word and to see something in the life of Joseph, see something, God, that you want us to know today. And the God, I pray that you would uh, be glorified in everything said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, Matthew's account about the birth of Christ focuses more on Joseph, and Luke focuses more on Mary. But together, as they complement each other, they give us a beautiful picture of the earthly parents of Jesus. Both Mary and Joseph appear to be simple, common, ordinary people in the world's eyes. But God saw something different in them. God saw something that maybe they, they didn't even see themselves. God saw something that he could use for his glory that could be used to raise Jesus, to become the savior of mankind. Now, picture the scene with me. Mary and Joseph are engaged. And if you remember those who are married being engaged, you're, you're kind of, although planning the wedding, you're looking towards the future and all that it holds. But then Mary is found to be with child, found to be pregnant. Joseph knows it's not him. He's shocked. He, like normal people, would have been disappointed, embarrassed, shamed before the family, friends, the community they lived in. Joseph had a right to be angry. This child was not his. The future hopes they had were smashed. Their dreams were broken. What should he do? How should he react? Now, the first thing that we learn in the scripture about Joseph is that he's a just man. Now, the Greek word here for just means upright, righteous, virtuous, keeping the commands of God. But it also goes on and says, of him whose way, way of thinking, feeling, and acting is wholly conformed to the will of God. He's such in a reflection of, of God and godliness that his heart and life are in balance with what God would want. Approved by God, acceptable to God. Now, we look at this in two different ways. Outwardly, of course. His actions, how, what he did. But more importantly, inwardly. His heart, why he did what he did. In 1 Samuel, we read this. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
And when we look at Joseph, I found this quote. It says, Though Joseph was a righteous man and knew what the law required, that such persons, as he supposed his wife to be, should be put to death. Yet, as righteousness is ever directed by mercy, he determined to put her away or to divorce her privately. That is, without any assigning any cause or charge against her, that her life might be saved. And as the offense was against himself, he had a right to pass it by, to overlook it, if he chose. I want to make it perfectly clear that Mary had committed no sin. She was a virgin, and what was conceived in her was through the Holy Spirit. But you see, Joseph, at this point, he didn't know that. He assumed the worst. Here we see the quiet reflection. Here we see Joseph's reaction. Here we see a man who reflected our loving Heavenly Father. Now, sin is sin. God's Word reveals it. God's holiness rejects it. God's justice must punish it. But God's love found a way to satisfy His holiness and his justice. God's mercy and grace coming from his love found a way. Now God reveals himself, and I like in Exodus where, Exodus 33, dealing with Moses, that God puts Moses in the cleft of a rock, in, a, in a, like a cave, and then says he covers him there with his hand. And God passes by and allows him to see behind the back part of God. Because God says that no one can see God's face and live. But then in Exodus 34, God proclaims who he is. And we read this. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for a thousand, forgiving iniquities, forgiving uh, iniquities and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head towards the earth and worshiped. Here in these verses, we see God's holiness and justice, but we also see God's love, his mercy, his grace. We see who God is. He reveals it to us in his word. Now, God is holy. God is the standard of right and wrong. The problem is that um, sometimes we try to compare ourselves with other people. But you see, God is the standard of right and wrong, of truth. In that light, we have all sinned. We've all sinned against God's holiness, and we've all done wrong. Romans declares that there is none righteous, no, not one. And we know compared to a holy God that we have all sinned. When we compare ourselves to one another, we can sometimes find someone that we're better than or that we think we are. 
But when it comes to God, we've all fall short. Second thing is that God, as creator, as the supreme authority of all creation, he has the right to judge and punish sin. Romans 3, or Romans 6, 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. Like it or not, there is a judgment day. Like it or not, there is a penalty to be paid, and like it or not, a punishment to be faced. Unless, unless we receive what Jesus Christ has done for us. He took our judgment for sin upon himself on the cross. He paid the penalty for our death with his own blood. He's taken our punishment and then declared upon the cross that it is finished. The debt was paid. The price was paid. And now he offers us a gift. See, God's love, his mercy, his grace found a way to offer forgiveness for all men and women upon the earth. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And of course, my favorite verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believed in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. When I was a child, this was my favorite verse. And again and again and again, God used it to reveal and to remind me of his great love. See, the Christmas story is all about God's mercy and grace. Sorry, kids, it's not all about presents and gifts. It's about God's mercy and grace. Christmas is about God's love making a way for mankind, for mankind's redemption, restoration, a relationship that was broken because of sin. Because God is holy, he cannot be part of sin or sit a part of him. That relationship that God created us to have was broken. But God found a way to restore it. The Christmas is about God himself coming down to earth to pay the price for our sins. You see, the debt we owe is to God. See, that's, that's who we've wronged. God needed to be paid. What's incredible is that God paid the price with himself to himself. Does God really love me? Have you ever asked yourself that? Whether you're listening today here in the room or online or maybe even in the future. If you've ever asked yourself if God loves you. I want you to remember that the manger of Bethlehem points to the cross of Calvary. And the cross it shouts, it screams how much God loves you. 
For 2,000 years, the cross has proclaimed again and again and again how much God loves you and me. Look to the cross. Look upon the sinless Son of God, God made flesh. Look to the one who was willing to endure all the suffering, all the shame, and all the pain so that you could know how much he loved you. And understand this, and there's a big difference. Understanding God loves you and knowing his love. God wants you to know his love. God wants you to know his love. Not just reading it that he, he loves you in kind of a vague understanding, but God wants you to experience and know his love in your life. His forgiveness, his mercy, his grace. And I believe that through his spirit, we can even feel that embrace of how much he loves you. It takes time. Not so much on God's part, but on ours. It takes an effort. Not on God's part. He's already done all that he can do. All we have to do now is to draw near to him. And I love, again, I say it a lot, but in James 4, it says, if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. I encourage you today, whenever you're watching this, that if you're struggling understanding the love of God, then draw near to him. Seek him through his word, through times of prayer and worship. And allow his spirit, allow his spirit to, to pour that love into your life. It'll change your life forever. Now, I understand that life can be hard. And this year has been difficult. And we, even as we've talked about the comfort tree, there are many who have lost and are dealing with the loss of loved ones. As we get closer to the return of Christ, whenever that might be, the days could even get harder. But you see, feelings and our mood, they change. Feelings and mood can change with the weather, with circumstances, with a situation. Something as, as little as someone cutting in line or giving us a weird look can, can change our whole mood and our feelings. But faith and trust remain when it is focused, when it's directed on God. Faith and trust can remain strong no matter what happens around us when we keep focused on God and who he is and who we are to him. So don't doubt God's love. Never question that he loves you. Draw near to him. Because from the cradle to the cross, from the baby boy to manhood, Jesus is God's love that came down to us, that came down for you. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's go back and look at Joseph. Let's look back at, at his and his reactions. First, we read that he was unwilling to put her to shame. Whether this was an arranged marriage or true love, when Joseph found out that she was with child, he did not want to put her to shame. 
Here we see a gentleness and a kindness in Joseph. Here we see a reflection of mercy and grace in Joseph. The second thing we read is that he was going to divorce her quietly. He was not looking for revenge. He didn't react according to his pride or hurt pride and wanting to get even, wanting to make an example, wanting to make it clear that she was in the wrong. That cost Joseph something to do it quietly. He had to set aside his own feelings, whatever they were. And here again, we see a reflection of what God was willing to do for you and for me. Last week, lastly, we read that he, he did as the angel in his dream had commanded him. <laughs> How different his world and his own life became when he awoke that morning after his dream. The sun was now shining again. I'm sure there were clouds of fear, uncertainty, doubt within his own life of what had been entrusted in him to do and to be. But he had been called, chosen, picked to be part of God's plan. His response was one of obedience. No apparent doubt or delay, no debate or uncertainty, no questioning or skepticism, no stalling or taking his time. Just surrender to the will of God. The responsibility of raising the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior. I'm sure there was fear. Doubting of his own abilities and qualifications. Who was he to raise the Savior of the world? But the angel spoke those words to him. Do not fear. God's plan of salvation came from the very heart of God. His love for mankind, his willingness to pay the ultimate price with his own surrender. Jesus becoming man and where that would lead him. See, the Christmas story began with surrender and obedience, with faith and trust. Sometimes we think of the Christmas story as the, the manger in Bethlehem, but it started even as we read back in Nazareth. That story started with Mary and Joseph taking those steps of obedience and surrender to the will of God, even when it cost them greatly, personally. At Christmas, we, we focus on the manger, on, at a baby being born. The promise of God wrapped in swaddling clothes. But God's plan of salvation is a, is a bigger picture, a bigger scene. The story of God's love extends 33 years into the future to a cross on a hill, to a debt being paid. Again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Isaiah 53 says this, this is that first part. I love Isaiah 53. When we were in Israel a couple years ago, we were at the, um, the garden tomb. We had communion there. And on one side of the, the park that's been uh, developed there for groups to go and to meet, 
there is one of the places that they believe was the crucifixion place of Christ. There's a rock wall around, and it's crumbled some, but they have some very old pictures of in that wall, you could see the shape of the wall looks like a skull, which is a possible location. It's now a bus stop. And although we could be offended, to me, I think it makes sense that if that is the place where Jesus died, that message wasn't meant to be left in one place, but taken around the world. It's something that's meant to be shared. But while we were there in the evening, the lights were coming on, and we had our place in the garden where we, we shared. And I read Isaiah 53 as we shared in communion. But verse 10 has always stirred me. We read, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. It was God's plan to make Jesus suffer on the cross, to pay the price for my sin. That's never stopped stirring my heart. I'm not a kid anymore, no comments. But that message of God's love and what it cost has always amazed me and stirred me. The story of the Christmas tree. There's different ideas of where it came from. One of the ones I like is that Martin Luther, the 16th century Protestant reformer, was walking through the woods on his way home. Through the pine trees, he could see the stars shining. And he wanted to take that picture home to his family. And so he cut down a tree took it into the main room of the house, and then wired candles onto the tree and lit them as a reflection of that night of walking out and seeing the stars shining through the trees. Jesus said in John chapter 8 that I am the light of the world. But then in Matthew 5, he says this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Reflecting. Reflecting God to those around us, to the world around us. Interesting about lighting, the illustration Jesus used about lighting a lamp and it gives light to the whole house. Sometimes it's easy to let your light shine outside your house. And sometimes to those inside the house, it's not so easy. But God uses that illustration to teach us that at home or wherever we are, we're meant to reflect God's love and God's light to those around us. To reflect his mercy, his grace, his kindness, his gentleness. To reflect who he is. People need to hear 
about what Jesus did on the cross, but people also need to see it in our life and how God changes our life and is changing our life. When we look at ourselves and we know ourselves, we know we are not perfect. But God's working in us. As we continue to grow in him, he continues to develop us to reflect him, to be in his image. Again, Jesus speaking in John, he says this, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Those are powerful words. We can read them over quickly, but sometimes they're harder to live. Joseph, again, whether it was an arranged marriage or not, he had a choice of what to do. He chose to show kindness, gentleness to Mary. And then when God revealed his plan, he took her as his wife. We're called by God to reflect him. The Bible tells us that our purpose as a believer is to be conformed into the image of Christ, to reflect again, reflect his character to those around us. If I can, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back, Pastor Scott. In that last song we sang, uh, Build My Life, I thought would be a great way to, to close if they'd come. Romans says this, Romans 8, 28, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, to reflect his love and his kindness, his mercy, his grace. Life can throw us all different kinds of ways. 2020 will go down in the record books as one of those years. Life can be hard, and I don't belittle the hurts that people have and are experiencing. But you see, we're not called to reflect ourselves. We're called to reflect him in us, to the world around us. I love, uh, I love sunsets. Sunrises I hear are beautiful, but they're, they're too early, so sunsets. And now with the snow, uh, things are brighter, and also uh, when the moon comes out. It's incredible, um, God's creation, the stars, the moon. What's amazing about the moon, and, and you can probably remember a night, maybe a full moon, where it, it just seems so bright out. But you see, the moon has no source of light within itself. It reflects the light from the sun down to earth at night. And yet it can be so bright, especially when it's full. God wants, he wants to shine in your life. He wants to be such a part of your life that you can't help but just reflect that to those around you. You know, there's a lot of people, maybe even around you, who don't understand God's love. 
or forgiveness or mercy and grace because they haven't experienced. There's a lot of people hurting in our world, in our city. Jesus came for those who are hurting and, and sick. He came to those to show them love, his love. And that's still our mission, our call today, to show his love. I found this quote and I want to read it as we close. If I am not Christ-like at heart, if I am not becoming noticeably more like him, then I've totally missed God's purpose for my life. It doesn't matter what I accomplish for his kingdom. If I miss this one purpose, I have lived, preached, and yes, strived in vain. God's purpose is fulfilled in me only by what I am becoming in him. Christ-likeness isn't about what I do for the Lord, but about how I'm being transformed into his likeness. Reflecting. You remember that song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Goes on to say, hide it under a bush. What do we say? No, I'm going to let it shine. God has put something in us. His love, his salvation. And it's meant to shine, to be seen by those around us. Pastor Scott, we can sing this song, and I, I want to encourage you, maybe just stand with us as we, Pastor Scott leads us in this. And then I'll close in prayer.
worthy. Amen? He's worthy. Amen? You can't be too loud, sorry. Put the mic back. That'll help. He's worthy. He's worthy. I want to pray for you. Pray for us as we close our service. One thing I want to uh, make clear, don't be hard on yourself. This wasn't meant to put you down if you think and feel like you haven't measured up and you haven't done all that God wants you to do. If anything, I wanted to remind you about how much he loves you, about his mercy and grace. Just stand up today. Go from this place and reflect his love. The mercy and grace you feel and experience when you make mistakes is the same mercy and grace that we need to share with others around us. That they might know God. That they might see him in us in a little way. And be drawn closer to him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. As we draw closer to Christmas, it reminds us this time that we, we have as the date of the birth of Christ reminds us, God, of your love, of what you were willing to give and sacrifice that we could know you today. So, Father, I pray that you would remind us that, God, your spirit right now would just afresh and anew, God, embrace us with your love your mercy, your grace, your kindness, your gentleness, your long-suffering, your patience. God, help us to experience that and to know that in our own hearts and lives. And then God, help us to, help us to reflect that to others. Like the moon reflects the sun, God, help us. Help us to be that moon, that, that light that shines, reflects you to the world around us and then God I pray right now for those around us that do not know you whether they be family or people we're, we're, we're living with or around neighbors people we work with whether it would be people in school God I pray right now that their hearts would be open that God you would stir their hearts to to want to know something more to understand something more about God and that Lord as we reflect you that God they they become curious they ask and God help us give us the wisdom give us the words to say that God we don't need to fear be afraid because you're gonna help us your spirit is gonna work in us and through us to share what knowing you what Christmas is all about what Christmas reminds us of. God, that you would stir hearts and draw people to yourself in a year that's been like no other. That God, you would do a work like, like never before. And that God, you would draw people to yourself, stirring hearts and lives. Now, Lord, I pray for each one pray for protection and safety i pray oh god your blessing on our homes our families our loved ones god wherever they are god may they sense and know your love and your presence today in a fresh and a new way and god we pray this all in jesus name amen amen i bless you
You may be seated. Again, as we close our service, um, uh, again, our dismissal, just so people know and understand uh, the way. I think this is the first time I've done that. And tell Pastor Todd where to go over there. So he's over there. He's taking my spot today. Uh, Pastor Derek, if they're needed on the sides. Pastor Scott. Uh, you will be dismissed by Rose from the back to the front. And we just ask you that when you leave, just to head right out, unless you need to make your way to the debit credit and uh, off to your cars and pray God's blessing on your life. Thank you. Bless you.